Ladies and gentlemen, your exalted leader has returned. Joking, joking, joking. This is L.A. Echo with another episode of Trade Talk. Man, I'm super excited because I have not had any uh, motivation to make a new episode in, in over a month. And mostly it's because most of the things I've talked about have already played out. But I finally have subject matter. In this episode, I have a well-respected analyst. I tremendously respect him. Who is going to help us kind of navigate a portion of episodes that we've, we've spoken about before. But in this case, he gets to do it in such an eloquent way that I don't feel I was able to do justice to when I did these prior episodes. If you recall episodes that I did which was called the Global Reserve Currency Game Theory, uh, Unwind to Rewind, we were speaking about the games that are being played with currency. In this particular case, my guest has been able to find some discovery that pertains to global uh, foreign exchange swaps, off book derivatives, and most of all, the Plaza Accord Agreement. Now, most of you are saying, I don't know what those things are. What are we talking about here? And you don't need to worry about what those things are yet because my guest, Mr. Nate Coates from the financial study is going to help us interpret them. But before I let Nate wax poetic about the most serious of topics, I want everyone to really clear your mind and really envision what is actually being said in this episode, because this blew me away. I want people to also get why I'm giving Nate this much respect. If it wasn't for Nate's excellent analytical abilities, I wouldn't have found uh, the trade of T-Mobile. So as he brought this to my conclusion, oh, sorry, to my attention, excuse me, and I thought about these prior episodes that I did. I got super excited to have this discussion because this will ring true for a, from a year from now. And Nate is going to take us through the journeys of his mind and how he has come to this great interpretation. Mr. Nate Coates from the Financial Study. Nate, how are you? Hey, how's it going? Hey. Um... Thank you for having me on. And, you know, it's just kind of been a pleasure to, you know, learn from you and enjoy, you know, I enjoy your podcast. So um, it's a pleasure to be featured again. I think I was featured once before, way back when we were predicting that, you know, all this stuff would kind of fall over. So it's kind of a pleasure to kind of return um, and to do it now with the financial study is an even greater feeling. Thank you for having me. You've made your bones because, you know, you've come back with the financial study. I remember, yeah, the old episode we did was uh, the last dance about GameStop. <laughs> What's very funny about that time is that a bunch of people would, would have called us absolutely crazy, yet GameStop, AMC, and all these places are laying off employees. Their stocks aren't doing anything. Uh, at least GameStop has been able to make good on its bonds. AMC is just treading water and uh, pretty much 
they're selling popcorn for God's sake. And that's if it's even in the store. I don't know if the popcorn's in the store. And they're trying to do Zoom meetings at uh, their local theater. People don't want to do <laughs> Zoom meetings on their <laughs> on their own computer. They definitely don't want to do Zoom meeting on a hundred inch screen. However big a movie theater screen is, who know? I, you know, I don't know the exact numbers, but nonetheless, you know, here we are. And, and you had great insights back then. Uh, I want to know your insights on the Plaza Accord Agreement. Um, yeah, sure. Um, first of all, do you want to explain or do you want me to explain the Plaza Accord Agreement? You could sum it up maybe in a couple sentences. It's basically an agreement. Um, the United States made with its European allies to bring back the, um, to bring down the dollar. Uh, wait, um, I've been working all day, so the number, the date slips my mind, but <laughs> 30 plus years ago, um, there are people that will lead, are compelled to believe that the United States would work with its European allies in order to bring the dollar down to stop the suffering and kind of curtail um, the effects of this upcoming and looming recession. Um, And, you know, when I hear people talk about this, I think uh, obviously inflation is a factor. Um, But the undercurrent and the undercurrent theme of this is really the issue that we have geopolitically, globally. Um, And that is what has led me to my conclusion. You know, yeah, and I'm I'm glad that you bring it up because we have so many people, and you you and I joke on this oftentimes, where we we talk about hopium, and you know how some people say you are, uh, you know, you're the king of fud. With hopium, and it's more so people being selfish, and I hate to say selfish in that way because who doesn't want their portfolio to do well, but they're being selfish in that the Fed cannot possibly raise these rates or let this dollar get stronger because they're going to just destroy everything and people understand that yes they they can uh yes your most recent black friday with a record black friday gives them all the ammunition to be able to do it you're absorbing these prices you're accessing money however you're accessing it um and the u.s wants its ability to maintain its dominance in that global reserve game theory you know i when you start articulating yourself it, 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 it pertains to that undercurrent, right? That undercurrent that most people are not paying attention to until it whipsaws them because that, that's what's going to happen. That's what we're going to explain as we get into uh, the foreign off-balance sheet foreign exchange swaps. What are people... Why is it that people can't interpret this? That, that, that's a good way to kind of to articulate it, so to speak. Um, you know, I can't understand. I think people are kind of short-sighted, short-sighted and driven by fear. So maybe they're kind of worried about kind of ancillary, um, um, outcomes and effects that, you know, it may have on their portfolio. But, um, you know, like, for example, you know, people are just kind of sometimes they're myopic in their view. They're not very aware of implications of what they're saying by we have to help our European allies by helping our European allies excuse me too I've had a very long day so if any yawns please excuse me um by helping our European allies essentially we're helping Russia I mean we're helping you know our enemies and people who are not willing to help us um my conclusion um 
was pretty straightforward once I realized the game that was afoot. Um, we had an issue, you know, um, with the Saudis and OPEC where they're refusing to produce more oil, um, which is their attempt to keep oil prices high. Um, Meanwhile, Joe Biden is telling us that, you know, and this isn't a political podcast. He's telling us that I'm, I'm getting oil prices to the lowest they've ever been. I'm laughing yeah. because Mohammed bin Salman is saying I'm not producing anything. <laughs> right. And that's the polite way of saying it. Right. You know, um, the, you know, go screw your way or be a more accurate way to depict what uh, OPEC is telling the United States. The issue here is also, um, you know, OPEC is in line with Russia and they're willing to continue to keep oil prices at an artificial floor, um, which is fine. Um, But, you know, then again, we have the issue, you know, with the war in Europe, um, the sanctions imposed and Russia also saying they may cut oil production as well. Um, So those are two players that are giving the United States a run for their money right now. Um, And then we have the third player who is masking themselves and charading themselves under a zero COVID policy. And, you know, when I'm looking through the veil and kind of peeking back, you know, and trying to make sense of why they would continue to have this ridiculous policy, it seems to reason to me that we have an issue where China just is not producing. They're cutting off their manufacturing plants and they are artificially influencing supply by continuing this bizarro um, anti-COVID, zero-COVID policy. So the situation... Well, the only only thing I wanted to add into this is like, so someone, so any of our listeners can reference it to current news media. Uh, Nike came out about a week ago speaking about how they are going to cut production by at least 35%. Right. Um, right. And that's, you know, that's going to be an issue for, well, it, it, I think it may be a um, kind of a, a looming or a precursor to what's going to happen. Um, so the issue here is, you know, abroad is you kind of have three corners that make up a triangle um, that are kind of refusing to um, play um, ball with the United States. And when I, you know, and this is, again, goes back to, you know, why I think people are misunderstanding Powell. When Powell says, Failure to restore financial stability would be worse than anything else. Uh, people think he's talking about, you know, the United States and consumers and the spending. In a way, he is. But I see underneath those glasses and whatnot that it appears to me that he's messaging Russia and OPEC and China. Um, again, the game's afoot. You know, he's telling them that, you know, OK, you guys don't want to produce. Well, we'll just make sure no one can afford it. If you guys aren't going to produce, um, you know, by hook or crook, we'll get prices down because we'll destroy demand to be in lockstep, lockstep, excuse me, with what you're willing to produce or even go below that. And, you know, the threat is very real. Um, so the situation is I mean, being kind of misinterpreted. That's a bold statement you're making. I, I, I don't even... I can't stand here to push back because I can't give you the most cohesive argument. But what I will say is that 
just as an inquisitive person, when you take that stance that is very different, you know, I, I, haven't, I haven't even heard anyone interpret the data in that way. Why do you interpret it that way? Well, I interpret it that way because it's to me that I've tried the other ways that, you know, the Bloomberg and the CNBC analysts have tried to kind of spew it. Also, some other colleagues have tried to give me another angle. Um, but it appears to me that um, the United States is knows that they're holding the Trump card. They're holding the big joker. And um, they're kind of waving that around in the face of these nations that won't produce. Um, so, for instance, you have an issue, you know, again, with and maybe I don't know if you're ready to get into the, the dollar swap situation. Well, before we get into it, let me, let me just bring this part up. So, yes, I agree with you where the United States holding the big joker. Um, it, it is their time, it, it, to my opinion, if they want to exert their dominance, it, it's this go around in which they're going to do it. Because all through the pandemic um, era and where they were trying to get these money markets to, to do what they wanted them to do and get people to buy these money markets and get sovereigns to buy them. They had no takers unless they capitulated to what the sovereigns, the sovereign nations wanted. And it's particularly in these sovereign nations, the most important one was China. <laughs> and then the Saudis came right after it. Um, and in this case, sometimes you don't soon forget those who, uh, you know, didn't immediately help you when you were in compromising predicaments. The, the force of all these new IRS agents and all this uh, need for enforcement um, and regulation happens to come from, you know, the situation where, hey, if you told us you're going to get your money to pay for your, uh, for your stimulus packages by taxing, and you need to go and do that. That's what these foreign uh, nations were saying. And now you have this particular issue of where they're having issues with the cost of their imports and the U.S. has the, <laughs> the big joker, as you were just saying, and, uh, you know, to, to use your uh, euphemisms that, that you use so eloquently, they could, most people are thinking that they're going to cut as opposed to using that big joker. But as we get into, you know, off-balance sheet foreign exchange swaps and off-balance sheet derivatives, I think this will get people to understand why cutting is not what's going to happen. And pun intended when I say cutting, because cutting as in cutting rates, cutting as in, you know, cutting in cards. But go ahead. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, you know, I think this is a big game. You know, everyone's sitting at the table. And the United States, I don't think um, the collateral damage will be Europe um, in this situation. And we'll be there to pick up the pieces um, like we were after World War Two, But the issue here is... Um, $80 trillion and, and foreign exchange swaps. And, um, you know, to make that kind of, you know, um, to make that kind of crystallize for people how big $80 trillion is, the top 10 world economies don't even have a GDP combined of $80 trillion. Um, and I'll say that again. $80 trillion is more than the 10 uh, biggest economies GDP combined. And the United States is holding that in, FX swaps, um, do not, dollar denominated, we're not holding them, but 
they're out there in swaps people have made for United States dollars. They're so desperate for dollars that they had to borrow fake dollars. They couldn't even get real dollars. They were willing to collateralize their assets to get swaps. So... Yeah, just, just saying, you know where you could you could you could see that. <laughs> Again, this is old news to everyone else, but this is why that situation with China Evergrande. This is why um, I, I want to say there's there's a condo builder in a big condo builder in uh, Los Angeles that just had to sell its property. It's a Chinese condo builder, uh, Ocean something. I can't remember at the very moment. This is why you know their default in having to sell is because. The next came due in dollars and they had no means of getting those dollars, but they were able to manipulate and play the game by collateralizing and making fake dollars. Uh, so, you know, I, I just wanted people to get a real life example of where it happened. But if you're not paying attention to it, it went right under your nose. But it was a big deal because you saw how long it languished and, and how, man, it, that thing caused protests. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean. So, yeah, the issue here is that, you know, other countries are refusing to produce, um, you know, China's refusing to manufacture, OPEC's uh, refusing to produce, um, Russia's refusing to produce. um, And obviously the sanctions are are not making life easier for Russia. Um, And the United States is basically threatening, okay, well, there won't be enough dollars to pay for anything. we're going to tighten this, you know, have financial conditions so tight, um, you literally won't be able to breathe. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, the issue here is, again, $80 trillion of this foreign exchange swap, um, you got about $70 trillion in, in short duration within a year. Um, and a lot of it is an overnight, um, overnight funding and overnight um, money markets, what have you. Um, so people are using this as overnight funding and um, they appear to be collateralizing it against the assets and their foreign currency, which have fallen tremendously towards the dollar way due to our aggressiveness and rate hikes. So you kind of have a situation here where this is a ticking time bomb. Um, and as we get deeper into this recession, you will kind of see trust erode. Um, so you have a situation where consumer, and again, this is all a big picture and uh, it may not be the most coherent picture, but I've tried my best to kind of paint it for the listener and for whoever would want to hear it. Um, you have a situation where United States dollars are needed to pay back this debt. The issue is you have to convert the currency into U.S. dollars. You have to sell the asset, convert it into U.S. dollars, and then your debt, which will depress your overall assets that you hold. But before we even get there, right, we have a situation where consumers are getting maxed out. Um, They're not willing to spend, which their credit will be cut. Then you have a situation where, and again, you can see this in the trade balances widening, uh, where companies won't be able to make earnings and profitability be hit. So their credit rating will get cut. And financial, um, pardon me, been up so late researching, um, Financial sector, um, you have financial institutions that will have an issue when the collateral of those bonds um, begin to slip as credit spreads widen. You have an issue, and it's very there acutely where assets that you and you can see it with FTX, 
as if you hold assets on your balance sheet that become worthless or worthless due to bankruptcies or um, credit risk, um, credit agencies writing um, down, you know, the actual credit worthiness of the borrower. So you might have all these bonds sitting on your balance get overnight lending and collateral that again <laughs> cause a contraction in dollars and what you're able to get which again causes another squeeze in dollars this can be the pretty much the ultimate dollar short squeeze um in our lifetime um la echo do you have anything yeah you know i i was just letting you i was letting you go because it puts a smile to my face of how you were able to break it down you know Especially when we speak about this and, we, and, and you even bring up the slight FTX part. And I give credit to Michael Saylor on this because I'm not going to say it's my own. I only talk about this because it was so interesting. It, you're in a situation right now where the Fed is the money printer, right? And these other nations are trying to use their own money printer. They were, that's what they were doing before when they, when they had the advantage, right? And you even see FTX, they pulled the same money pin printer game where you collateralized, you you made the currency, which would have been the token, and you could consistently roll it over, 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 and over and over again uh, for unlimited amounts of money. But as you were saying, assets become worth less or worthless totally. Uh, you will not be able to meet those obligations. In our particular case, uh, sorry, in the, the the standard financial economies particular case, especially with these uh, off balance sheet foreign exchange swaps and derivatives, you have you at least have a situation where you can go by the rating in something like a FTX. There is no rating. It's just one day we can't pay our bills. <laughs> there was no way right. to, <laughs> to and, understand and, what's going to happen. And the issue with this, again, is that it will continue to put upward pressure on the dollar because I've heard a lot of people say that I was the top. This is the top. Mm-hmm. Which is fine. Um, if We're you at believe about 105 that. today, as, as our colleague quoted us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So, you know, if if you feel that way, that's fine. And, you know, maybe I'm just spreading FUD as, you know, people who don't like what you have to say, say nowadays. Um, the issue, again, is um, as profitability get cut in corporates, um, which is a credit, which, again, will affect their credit rating and their credit worthiness. The bonds will get written down. The spreads will kind of begin to blow out in 23, 24. You'll get to, you will begin to see the credit worthiness drop of reputable companies. And um, and again, in, in emerging markets, they have even more sensitivity because they borrowed in U.S. dollars mm-hmm. and their currencies are worth less. So emerging market um, fixed income will have an issue. The collateral won't be as good in 23, 24. I know some people think we've peaked in rates, which is fine, but they're talking about sovereign rates. Sovereign rates decouple with um, corporates because the credit risk assigned to corporates is different than those, you know, assigned the credit worthiness of sovereigns. Mm-hmm. So when profitability, and I keep harping on this, when you, as you see these profitability and these uh, four guidance get slashed, I understand that this $80 trillion um, exposure is becoming a larger issue because again the cash flows can't support the debt service payment on that fx swap so this really becomes an issue and ray ray dalio best 
um, kind of describes it and he calls it the big debt cycle. Um, we're headed towards the big debt cycle and this appears to be closer to the end game. I, I love that because again, when I referenced the old episode that we did unwind to rewind, here we are now what unwind to rewind will look like. What Nate is explaining is how he views it and I, I agree with him a, a lot of the way. One of our other colleagues was saying, "Is could it be just deflation to inflation to deflation? These are just cycles. It gives people a good reference point to go pay attention to um, Ray Dalio's Big Debt Cycle. It's on YouTube. It's like a 13-minute video. It gives, kind of gives you the whole cycle um, in, in a visual form. Uh, this is more descript and showing you how it's playing out in real time but the one part that we do have to emphasize on, Nate, and, and we haven't, what does this look like when we want to trade it? So you mean trade it? What would asset. we buy? Yeah, what <laughs> asset would you buy? Again, um, the risk-off appears to be, I think, the 23, we may have a return to the risk-off trade in treasuries. So I'm looking to allocate on across the treasury curve. Um, I'm also um, looking at volatility, heavy, uh, UVXY, continue to uh, pay attention to the VIX. I will be allocating there. Love and, it. and those are my two highest conviction tr uh, trades. And, you know, the T-Mobile short, other than being short, um, those will be my biggest trades going into 23, 24. So, ladies and gentlemen, what you're really hearing, and, and just to kind of culminate it, is how we view it, because I view it the same way as Nate. I, I have not been long this market. Like, these uh, uh, bear market rallies uh, do not entice me. Uh, I would rather average into the bear market rally and play my cards close to my vest and be cautious, is that, you know, he is seeing the future to still have a lot of short potential um, especially as we speak about those uh, forward guidance and corporate earnings. Uh, I think anything from this fourth quarter, especially this Black Friday, is all just blowing smoke up your ass, for lack of a better word, because they're able to at this very moment. Uh, but all of this that's playing out, especially with the FX swaps and these, and no one actually knowing the size of these off-balance sheet derivatives and foreign exchange swaps, and they're there. They have, not even that because they have to be there. You know they are there because people are complaining their inability to pay for imports in other countries. Uh, there's a lot that is to happen, and there's a lot of exposure. And to even give you my last bit of proof before I give Nate the final words, the same way people didn't have that conviction to think that it could potentially happen. You can see it in crypto and you can see how far the contagion spreads from something that you thought, okay, it could only be what is considered a fraud or considered, you know, just th this, this bad actor. You have no clue, as Nate always says, I'm sorry to take your thing, Nate, but I had to take it for a second. You have no clue what derivatives sit on these people's balance sheets. You will never be able to see them until they're in a situation where they cannot make payments. <laughs> yeah and you know and the last thing i'll say on the subject um because again you know i hear all this talk of fed pivot the pet fed pivot i enjoyed the episode you have of people romanticizing a fed pivot um the issue here is that's the scary part um fed pivot comes means 
we ran into a huge disaster, a huge problem. Mm. Um, and again, you know, the Fed can pivot or the Fed can hold rates. That does not mean credit spreads won't blow, be blowing out at this time. Does not mean <laughs> that does not mean we've hit the bottom. So please, again, pay attention to profitability and the credit risk. Go look at the outstanding debt of U.S. corporates, um, particularly ones that you think it's time to go long because I've heard go long NVIDIA, go long this, go long that. And I'm not saying NVIDIA is a short, but again, you know, people are willing to buy Tesla. People are willing to buy this and that. Fine. I'm just saying be aware of what you're buying and their ability to repay when profitability gets cut. Because if you're using the multiples today, you're surely going to miss tomorrow and you will be hurt. And thank you for having me. Man, mic drop. Solo home run right there. Thank you, Nate. I really, really appreciate you. Uh, For those, again, who did not hear who our guest is, I have Nate Coates of The Financial Study, a respected analyst. I respect him tremendously. We've had a long history of uh, back and forth and I'm so happy you got me interested in doing an episode because as I've told a lot of people, I may be wrapping this up at the end of the year. I don't know what else much is there is to prove uh, in terms of what has uh, come to pass. The only thing else I'd be doing is just, you know, further playing the game. But, uh, you know, the game is nonetheless fun. But I, 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 I hang my hat on uh, that crypto thesis and it's, just like we always say, it's like uh, Cartman uh, licking the tears of someone else who's lost. It's <laughs> I enjoyable. Been, I have it's been a, rubbing it in. <laughs> right. It's enjoyable just for the craziness that we used to hear. Um, and it's not so much about people losing. It's more so about, uh, you know, as this whole thing. The is, arrogance. <laughs> the arrogance. And, and, and as this whole thing, um, as it's unfolded, what is a what is truly funny about it is that it played out exactly, not that it played out exactly as I wanted to, excuse me, let me correct myself. That recession that is to come, these problems that are to come are highly based off of interest rates, treasuries, and the ability to borrow and pay back. And when I would say this before, when you would say this before, we would just be told about technical analysis and that we are don't know what like I don't even know if we do there's so many things but it's like no those recessions always come to this and the looming shadow I'm sorry to just to, to kind of drag on here but I really want to say this the looming shadow as we've been talking about this 65 to 80 trillion it's a shadowy figure that's out there where if you catch a default which it will happen no different than an FTX it 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 whew. Man, yeah, no. it, that, that's where it's going to happen. And before I used to tell people, I could not, I, I can't tell you where it's going to come from, but I think it will be from this because in my last words, and I know I've said that two times now, but I have to say this is my last words. Some think that the Fed will happily just buy back those swaps. But a lot of people say, when you say that you're going to buy back those swaps, you tip off everyone that there's some insolvency. So <laughs> I, it, it, it's interesting how to play out. I can't sit here to tell you how it plays out because no one knows that uh, from an FTX standpoint, CZ says, oh, 
hey, here's the bad actor, and then it all capitulates. In this particular case, I don't know, but I do know what it will be that'll terrorize this market, and that shadow is looming, and, and it's casting a, it's a very big shadow. Oh, man, Nate, thank you. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, LA Echo out. Take care. Be well. Bye.